What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Dew Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome into another episode of Kentucky Daily, a daily podcast covering your University of Kentucky Wildcats. I'm Sean Smith, joined by Derek Terry of the Cats Paws. Derek, another week down, and we're a day away from Kentucky, Georgia. We are. Uh, kind of a news spree a little bit once we got off the podcast yesterday. Sean, might have been one of those days where we would have been better served just holding out until the end, but you never oh. know how it's going to turn out. Oh, yeah, I kept texting you, and I said, there's news to talk about now. And then I text you again and said, now there's more news to talk about. And then I think I texted you again like a third time. I'm like, we have more news to talk about. So, yeah, we literally didn't have anything, honestly, to talk about yesterday. We kind of just threw out our thoughts and opinions on some situations. But ever since we stopped recording, we now know that Kentucky and UCLA will play. Uh, They'll play Saturday, December 19th in Cleveland. Right, Derek? Is that the location? Did I see that right? Cleveland. Mm -hmm. So, Johnny Juzang will take the floor versus Kentucky. So, that's an interesting, you know, matchup there and a storyline going into that game. And then John Calipari last night, he announced some changes to the coaching staff that Tony Barbie is now in an off-court role. And Jay Lucas, new assistant from Texas, is now an on-court role. Uh I guess let's start with that, and I know we're going to get questions for the mailbag, but just your initial thoughts when you saw that last night. Yeah, it made sense. It sounds like that was pretty much the plan from the start, because uh, Calipari said it's been that way since September. So I think it's a very pretty talented recruiting staff of Jay Lucas, Joel Justice, and Bruiser Flint. Uh, I think it's an upgrade, honestly, over what they've had in recent years, even with Kenny Payne leaving. Um I guess my question to you, and I saw it was phrased this way by Jeff Goodman, and I I know some UK fans don't like Jeff. I, I don't have any kind of problem with him, but his initial take was it was a demotion for Tony Barbie. Is that how you read that? I, I actually I read it the opposite. I read it that Barbie's not going to be on staff much longer, and Barbie's probably going to be going back to head coaching. Is that's the way that I took it? Like right now, what is what's Tony going to do recruiting? It's all going to be Zoom anyhow for this season. So why not use Tony's mind? His defensive mind is where he excels at Kentucky on this coaching Mm -hmm. staff and game preparation. I looked at it the opposite, honestly. I looked at it as this is the way to get the most out of your strengths on the coaching staff. Jay Lucas and Joel are your recruiters, and you move Tony to a role where he's literally Cal's right-hand man, and he's just doing game planning and film study and things like that. I think that's the best move, honestly, and I think it maybe promotes Tony to a head coaching gig pretty soon. Yeah, he's at the title of associate head coach, signed a one-year deal. I think he'll make a little over 500000 this year in that role. And it sounds like John Robick now is focused mostly on off-court stuff, scheduling yeah. things like that. This is okay. So, I wonder if there's some stuff, too, like Dwayne Peavy was a big part of scheduling, and, and they've not replaced Peavy in any capacity. Is this what right. Robick's sort of going to be doing now, Derek? Is like, cause he, Robick, let's put it this way. Nobody on this staff knows Cal better than John Robick does. Yeah, I and, agree. Yeah. I think that could be his role uh, going forward. He's a guy who, uh, I mean, prayers to John Robick. He's had a, he's had a hard year uh, losing his daughter to cancer this year. So to get up and go to work every day, got a lot of respect for somebody like that. So, okay. Absolutely. Whatever role he is in, I think Cal's going to do whatever he can to accommodate him. But the, you know, as a whole, when he, when Cal had that video, and maybe we'll discuss this a little bit more because I know we do have a mailbag question asking about this. But Cal talked about the bubble impact with recruiting. So mm-hmm. UK's pushing that pretty hard. It sounds like the, you know, well, it, it was. I mean, you had the NBA Finals featured four guys from Kentucky, three from the John Calipari era. Plus, if you want to add Frank Vogel as a coach. I mean, I, honestly, Sean, I think that's kind of pushing it a little bit. Like, I know Frank was here, but he was very – like, how many people were talking about Frank Vogel when he was actually at Kentucky in the 1990s? Like, probably not many. But it's, the, it's, it's, it's whatever school would do if they got the chance to 
to throw well, the only else positive, in there. the only positive thing too is you know Vogel on SportsCenter right after he won the title when yeah, he said you know go Cats or something like that and just you know getting that those little things in there just on SportsCenter I think it was on with uh, Scott Van Pelt if I'm not mistaken or maybe yeah, it was Michael Leaves yeah. I couldn't remember which one was doing the show that night uh, but. Yeah, we we actually got that in a mailbag question. We're covering a lot of this in mailbag questions, too. I just think the move makes the most sense. As soon as I saw that move was made, I was like, okay, now the, the pieces kind of fit together. All the We were sitting there wondering, how is this going to work? How are you taking on another assistant coach? It makes sense now when you look at it. And I just think that, honestly, Barbie will be a head coach again. He's still a young guy. He's not old. He still has a lot left in the tank, and I think that – Honestly, Derek, we're moving towards him getting a head coaching job at some point, probably in the next two to three years, you would think. And I would think that Cal's probably going to be leading the charge for him to get another job. I think on paper this is it's the most creative staff for sure under Cal Perry, and I think probably the smartest staff in terms of how to utilize guys. I, I, think, it's, I think it's a good idea what he's doing. He's going to try to put guys in roles that they can excel the most and – you know, Bruiser was a was an important hire to have a guy on your bench who had 20 years of head coaching experience. But I mean, I, I think the bigger hire is Jay Lucas, and come tomorrow when Damian Collins commits, you're, it's already paid off. <laughs> so, in some ways, so a really creative job. And this is a, I like this move by Calipari. I think this is a a really smart thing. And the way he talks, Sean, it just doesn't seem like this man's going anywhere anytime soon. I mean, no, he's, he's always trying to find ways to re-energize himself, and it seems like he's still still in here for the long haul. He he is. I I fully believe that. And two, you mentioned Jay. Tomorrow, when Damian Collins announces his commitment to Kentucky, that's going to be a big push for Jay. But then it's literally like seven to eight days off the heels of Joel Justice landing Sky Clark. Yep. So, I mean, you've got you you have two guys, young legs on the recruiting trail. When things do return to normal. You send these two guys out, you have to feel really good about where Kentucky is. And Cal honestly could say, hey, you go here, you go here, and he sends them out on their own. And you know he feels comfortable sending both those guys into homes whenever that part of recruiting does return. Yeah, and I mean, Joel has really grown into his role now. How long has he been? It's like his fifth year, right, as a full-time His first year was, uh, I'm pretty sure, Jamal Murray's year, I think, was his first first year actually sitting on staff because he was an analytics guy. When the uh, with the thirty eight and one team and before that, so yeah, look at Joel. You go back and watch those games from twenty fourteen, twenty fifteen, and Joel is at the end of the bench on the second row. That's where Joel was, and now Joel is yeah. one of Kentucky's top recruiters and a top forty assistant in college basketball. I mean, that's a pretty big jump for a guy that was actually a high school basketball coach not too long ago. Yeah, he's probably a guy who give or take another year or two. I don't know how the pandemic's going to change the coaching carousel, but he'll probably be in the mix some more for head coaching jobs. But, Sean, I guess the other big news from yesterday was something we did talk about a little bit yesterday, but it is official. Joey Gatewood will be Kentucky's starting quarterback. Mark Stoops said yesterday that Terry Wilson's wrist injury has been too severe. Uh, Earlier in the week he said it was a minor wrist injury, but apparently it was too bad for him to practice all week. And uh, he won't be available tomorrow, so it's going to be the Joey Gatewood show for the first time in his career. And is it bad that actually in my mind wasn't even thinking that there was any football breaking news because I think we were under (laughs) the assumption that he was the guy anyhow because that's pretty much how we recorded yesterday. Uh, No, you and I talked yesterday, and when we knew that we were going to get something from Stoops, he couldn't avoid it. There was no way that you could say whether he did practice or didn't practice. You can't say, I don't know. And if he come out and said, no, there was no way he was going to say, well, we'll see about Saturday. No, the guy hadn't even practiced all week. And Derek, I'll even take it a step further. Like, is this the end of Terry Wilson's UK career? Maybe we can dive into that, even if Joey doesn't play well. Yeah, I got to think it is, honestly. I think uh, at the point in the season where they are at two and three, he's not going to be available. There's only four games left. Um, Given the timing of the bye week, yeah, I think it's probably going to be Gatewood and Bo Allen for the most part playing going forward. So unless things are just a complete disaster. Um, but if Terry's injured, you got to see how his injury's going to heal up and uh, go from there. I guess maybe it was a little bit worse than what they thought it was originally if he didn't practice at all this week. 
and we have we have an interesting mailbag question about his injury in a moment, but I'm I'm going to put that off until okay. we get diving into the mailbag. Uh, speaking of the mailbag, today's episode two is brought to you by the Butcher's Pub, Derek, and I'm going to just go ahead and say mailbag Friday. It's Butcher's Pub Friday too, so you got to get out to the Butcher's <laughs> Pub and you got to try those wings this weekend. Try that buffalo chicken sandwich. Get out there. Uh, watch some college football on the TV. Uh, Derek, two locations, one in Pineville, Kentucky, one in Williamsburg, Kentucky. You've been to the Williamsburg location, and you gave positive reviews about that place. I've been to the Pineville one. I've never been to Williamsburg, but I'm going to get to that one at some point. Uh, the Butcher's Pub is a place that continues to grow. There's going to be a new location in London coming at some point soon, so I will update more information as that moves along, but you can visit thebutcherspub.com or check them out on Facebook for more daily specials. But Derek, let's go ahead and jump right into this mailbag um, let's see what the first question is. Okay, let's stay with the basketball side of things here. There was a recruiting question. Sorry, I'm taking so long to pull it up. Uh, right here. It comes, it says, BB Recruiting. 2022 power forward candidates. A really talented big forward with versatility. Ask in terms of immediate con- contributor status, question mark. Derek, we, we don't really know a ton about who they're targeting for 2022. It's still kind of early, but Jalen Duren, they did offer him a week yeah. ago, who is one of the better players in the 2022 class. Uh, I think he was the number two power forward nationally. Is that correct? Or number one on 24-7? He's number one. That's right. So that's yeah. an instant contributor there if you get him. I, I think that's the guy. You know, you've got Scott point for 22. Duren's the guy at the power forward spot. And honestly, Derek, that's a position that really, if you think about it, how many elite power forwards has Kentucky had in recent years? I mean, you have to go back to Julius Randle. And then, I mean, Bam kind of played the five at Kentucky instead of the four. But early in those days at Kentucky, they had the Terrence Jones, they had the Julius Randles and all those guys. Uh, Duran is definitely an elite level four. He is. Uh, some of those other guys, I'm just going off who Sky mentioned. I think Amari Bailey was the name of yeah. one of the top guards in the country. Either way, you're off to a great start in 22 uh, with him. And it's hard to say these days just because now the top kids you have to contend with the G League a little bit, assuming that stays the same thing. Is, is 22 the class that's supposed to be the first to be able to go back to the NBA? Is that the speculation? Or I think it so. Uh, it might be 23. Uh which one is Bates in? Twenty-two. Okay, that's the, that's the one that was. So yeah, you might have to deal with some of... prep to pro type deal there. Uh, so that's why it's hard to know. And I think this year is even crazier because I know some kids have gotten out and they've been able to play and things like that. But just the whole scouting process is going to be different. You haven't got to see these kids as much as you normally would have in a normal spring and summer. So you might see some more names who aren't ranked very highly right now. I mean, think about a kid like Connor Salas, for example, in this class. This time last year, not on the radar as the type of prospect that he is now. So you might have more under-the-radar kids. You can use uh, Brandon Benzimski, who they recently offered, as another example. So it's hard to say, I think, at this point for 22, who will be there. But you're right, uh, Duran's been offered. He would be a huge get, one of the highest-ranked kids. Based on his ranking right now, what, probably the highest-ranked kid since Scal? This year, back in 2015. So I do think that with that change they made in recruiting that you're going to see some more top kids. And it's it's funny to talk this way because UK's had no worse than the number two class every year anyway. But getting back to landing those, you know, top kids, I think with with Jay Lucas and Joel Justice here, and then, of course, Calipari's pitch as well, and Bruiser Flint, I think uh, they'll be back in the mix for some of these top kids once again. And right now there are only seven active offers for UK basketball recruiting right now that are confirmed offers still, you know, going, Derek. And uh, Damian Collins is one. Uh, Patrick Baldwin is another one. Uh, Jaden Hardy. Uh, Musa Diabate is another one. Uh, Hunter Salas. Uh, Jalen Duren, I think. And then it's wrapped up with Brandon Podzimski, right? The kid from uh, Milwaukee that, or Wisconsin that just recently got an offer. Yeah. So I think that's – that. I'm pretty sure that's the only seven scholarships that are active right now that UK submitted, and only uh, one of them's for 22, and that's Duren. Mm-hmm. So the rest are 21. So I think what you're going to see is 22 kind of come into shape here pretty soon, too. They're going to start looking. I think you'll start seeing some offers roll out. And, 
Interesting to see how the pandemic has changed things uh, with recruiting, too. We had a question about that, Derek. Let me make sure. Sorry, I'm pulling up because I've got, like, two separate tweets here. Okay. Uh Do you think COVID has changed Kentucky's recruiting advantage because now most visits are through online platforms like Zoom and Skype? The in-person visits are non-existent or not possible. This applies to the major sports. It's a good question, Derek. Yeah, um, I've touched on it a little bit in the past. Uh, I think basketball it benefits greatly just because the brand is so strong regardless that you can get a kid to commit without having visited, whereas in football I think it hurts them a little bit more. And you can see that this year that uh, I think they have like the 11th ranked class in the SEC, just a couple four stars, and both those kids are homegrown guys from Lexington, uh, Nikel Crowdis and Jagger Burton. So I do think it's been much more difficult for the football program to attract elite guys, but for basketball, and again, like, I actually had a guy tweet at me the other day, uh, Chris Fisher and I, that he wasn't really, basically he was scoffing at the idea that the bubble has really helped UK so far because he considered Nolan Hickman and Bryce Hawkins to be tier two or three guys, which shows you how spoiled Kentucky fans are, honestly, to uh, be that way about two top 50 prospects. But, you know, you're going to get Damian Collins tomorrow. Uh, there's a good chance we're going to get Hunter South. Who knows what can happen later with some of these other guys. So you're going to have two five-stars and two four-stars in this class regardless. And that was – I don't know if any of those kids besides Hopkins have even visited Kentucky. So and, that's what you're that was able to pull up, off. And that was yeah, just showing up on a trip. I know Sky had a – well, Sky's 22, but Sky had a visit in the past, but it wasn't an official. So it's mm-hmm. it's so strange. How, but I do think that basketball, I think the program's elite status and its name – is what's making it so easy for them to, you know, kind of not miss a beat. And you might actually see them get some kids that if they visits had been allowed and coaches were allowed to walk in homes, you might have been able to see some of those kids go to a different school. But in football, it's going to be difficult because your elite of the elites is going to, they're going to get those guys the same way Kentucky basketball is getting guys. So I'm, I think that you're right. Football will have a much harder uh, job landing kids than basketball will. Uh, do you have any questions on your end before we get into the rest of this bag? I do. I've got three over here, uh, and two of them came from Trey Gross. And the first one is actually an interesting question that I'm not sure I can answer, but we can at least discuss it. And the question was, does Mark Stoops need to hire a coach who strictly does analytics? And the example he used was deferring to the second half as an easy example where that can help or clock management in the fourth quarter. So they have so many guys over there at football now who do quality control stuff that I honestly don't know if they have anyone solely in charge of analytics or things like that. But I do think that's, especially in baseball, you see analytics is a huge debate all the time now, especially with Game 7 of the World Series, with, or Game 6, excuse me, people crushing Kevin Cash the Rays for pulling his pitcher because that's what the analytics showed was his best move or whatever. So that created a huge debate. So, Sean, do you one, do you know if they have anybody over there who's in charge of analytics? And two – should they? Not that I know of. I mean, I can't – I don't think I can speak on that confidently because, I mean, like you said, there's so many people that have so many jobs around that football program that we don't really know. But I'll say this, Derek, uh, John Calipari has bought into the analytics side of things. I mean, you look at Joel Justice. Yeah. We mentioned that a minute ago. He started as an analytics guy at Kentucky, and now even when Kentucky – they sent out that uh, – was it a week ago where Joel was a top assistant in college basketball? It even spoke – to analytics and how big Kentucky is on analytics and, and things like that and what Joel sort of you know brought to the program. I, I think if, if UK is not doing that on the football side, I think it would be a great move if they did, and specifically for the reason that the, the mailbag question stated, second-half adjustments. If you have those analytics, you have those numbers in hand, that helps you if you want to make adjustments in the third quarter or late in games. I, I just feel like that that's where you see – Things don't lie. When you look at numbers, if it's a pattern or it's repetitive, that's where you get accurate results, in my opinion, is if you dive into the analytical side of things. It was very strange last week because Stoops almost always defers when Kentucky wins the toss, and he just said he had a feeling. Clearly, it didn't work out. No, I mean, it was gas. Sometimes. This feeling was <laughs> gas because it ended up. Three and out to start the day. But, uh, no, and then every coach is a little bit different with clock management, too, in the fourth quarter uh, when they decide to use time. Like if you're trailing, for example, when you decide to use timeouts, I know that can be different. I don't know enough about the football side of things if there is a uniform approach that coaches should take. I mean, you, I think you see it a lot more in the NFL, honestly, than college football. Um, I'm thinking of the Vikings-Seahawks game from a few weeks ago. 
where people crushed uh, Mike Zimmer for going for it on fourth and inches rather than kicking a field goal and making it, I think, I don't remember what the score was, but um, basically the Vikings ended up losing the game because the team, the Seahawks, went down and scored in about a minute. It was really bad defense. But the question out there was if it's fourth and inches and you get the first down, the game's over versus kicking a field goal and making it, I guess it was still a one-possession game. I really don't remember what the score was, but uh, we'll see. The other two questions that I have, uh, one's from Trey and the other is from Aiden. Hold on, hold on uh, once. Hold on one second. Uh, okay. I want to. I want to get. I'm keeping your reaction to this because maybe maybe you do know, or maybe we both just forgot. But uh, Jacob Toppin interview right now. Did we both forget about that? Oh, f- I did forget about that. <laughs> yes, I was going to leave. The, I'm still recording. <laughs> forgot about that. Which they send out that transcript anyway. So they do. So I just wanted our listeners to. Uh, Get a reaction of just how crazy life has been. Well, with that was the reaction. Yeah. <laughs> if you're wondering why the uh, audio stopped there for a minute, Derek, uh, in there that we had uh, to kind of take out, didn't we? We did. We'll stay on topic where we were before uh, <laughs> we were reminded of. I thought that was later in the day. Um, either way, these next two questions are both uh, pertaining to Joey Gatewood. And the first one, uh, also from Trey. Will we throw over the middle of the field more or less with Joey Gatewood? Hard to know for sure, although I will say it seems like of the few pass attempts that actually both Gatewood completions were over the middle to Michael Jenner and to Josh Ali. Both were slants. He threw an incompletion to uh, Cleveland Thomas against Mississippi State. So I think all but two of his throws so far have come over the middle. So I don't know if he's just been taking what the defense gives him there, if that was more designed, but – you know, I think uh, I do think you'll probably see that a little bit. He seems pretty comfortable, at least so far, hitting those yeah. slants, throwing over the middle, well, things like that. And that goes right into this question, too. This is from Chris Judy. He said, in the Tennessee game, we targeted our tight ends more. If we have the chance, since we didn't get much out of our offense during the Missouri game, should we try to target it more or just stick to the ground game? Uh, Derek, I think any time that you can get the ball to your tight ends in the middle of the field, I think it gives your offense, you know, an an element that you need to use, especially for a quarterback who's just breaking himself into the game now. Like those tight ends, Keaton Upshaw, Justin Rigg, as big as those guys are, those could be third down guys, Derek, that, you know, mm-hmm. get some yardage at the sticks. But they, I don't know, like they, it's it's so strange. Like one week I'll feel really good about where Kentucky's going with tight end, and then the next week I'm like, they're, it's almost like they're trying to force the ball to them at some point, like the, the opening play of the game with Upshaw. We rarely ever see a play to the tight end work and stuff if it's a shot down the field. Uh, what do you think about that, though? I think it's going to be hard to, to run the ball this weekend. I mean, Georgia, they don't really <laughs> think, give up yards to anybody. You think so? <laughs> uh, I think it's going to be tough to do anything, honestly. It's a terrible first game, I think, for Gatewood to be a full-time guy. I would caution expectations for sure in this game. Um Best-case scenario, I would say, is just that the defense maybe forces a few turnovers because for as much of a powerhouse that George is on defense, like their offense is still good, but not – like I don't – it's not going to be like even – I don't know where I'd even rank it amongst the best defenses or offenses Kentucky's going to face this year. Like, I mean, Stetson Bennett's nothing special in terms of – I mean, when you compare, compare him to the rest of their roster, I mean, he's certainly kind of lower on the talent scale. But – um it's going to be tough to run the ball, but I, you know, I like getting the tight ends involved, but they got to take advantage of their opportunities as well. Um, I think Upshaw has been decently reliable, dropped a touchdown pass at Tennessee. Rig has had some drops. Um, so once those guys do get involved, I wish Brendan Bates never got hurt because I liked what I saw from him yeah. up until the time that uh, he went down. But the last one I have on my end, and it's also a football question, so also involves Joey Gatewood, but also a little bit of what we talked about earlier. And the question is from uh, – the name is Aiden on Twitter on the off chance that Joey Gatewood exceeds expectations against Georgia and either keeps the game close or wins. What would it mean for Terry Wilson and the game plan for the rest of the season? Sean, what do you think? I think so. If, if Joey keeps the game close and wins. Yeah. And exceeds expectations. It means that Terry Wilson's time at UK is over with like 100%. Like, uh, I just don't think that, Honestly, I think even if Joey is a mess, I don't think that they go back to Terry. Just because you have four games left in your season, you have four games left in Terry's career, and at that point, 
you're two and four and you're just looking to build for the future. And I'm sorry, but Terry's not the future. It, it, his time's up. Like they're coming down to four games. If the record were flipped and he was four and it was four and two and Terry was healthy, then you're still playing for this season. But I just think that this is the official change, Derek. I don't think that we'll ever see Terry Wilson on the field again in a situation at Kentucky. I agree with you, uh, and I'm the same with you. Uh, Aiden's question is, is asking, you know, if they basically if he plays well, they keep it close. Like I'm with you. I don't think it matters. Like I think he's playing regardless against Vanderbilt. I think he'll get the bye week. Maybe you'll see some Bo Allen. Um, the way Stoops talks about Bo, I think it's pretty expected. Vanderbilt seems like the game to me because you would think it'll be more in hand versus <laughs> certainly it's like Alabama or Florida, but even South Carolina. Like I think you'll see a little bit of uh, Bo that game. So here's like here's the deal with Terry. What what we have to figure out one, if his injury they said it's minor, he didn't practice at all. Well, what he's got to figure out is with this new rule, if he wants to keep playing football. If he's injured in any way, does he want to go out there and keep competing for a job to face a team like Alabama or Florida where it's going to be tough to move the ball against those kind of teams probably? And if he does want to play somewhere next year and transfer, do you want to go out there and be put on tape, you know, probably looking bad against some more opponents? You know what I mean? So even for Terry's sake, I don't know if he wants to keep going out there and, and playing. So if that's the case, I think they're probably going to move forward anyway. And then that obviously adds into what you're talking about being the future just the way the season shaped up, I gotta say that yeah, I agree with you that I think regardless they won't be going back to Terry unless unless it's just an absolute terrible disaster of an offense and Terry still gives them the best chance. Well, here's the other question too. This is from David Wood and it kind of goes into the same things we just talked about. It says, Sean, if we see promising progress in offense tomorrow with Gatewood, do you see UK ever going back to Terry when he heals? Also, did you see anything in the last game to make you think Terry got hurt during the game? Or is injury a cover-up to pave the way for Gatewood to start? Uh, I, I, I don't like speculating on that because I don't know. Like, I, I think he legitimately probably hurt his wrist, but I don't know if it – here's what I'm going to say. Sawyer Smith <laughs> played through a broken <laughs> wrist and a separated shoulder last year. And, and he they did threw it, mainly, it 40 times. <laughs> and they threw it 40-something times. So, like, if it was something that was not described as a major injury, I, I think – I don't know. That's what, that's what it's hard to say because we don't know enough. We're just being Didn't told. Didn't they say it was told. his hand early in the week, though? Which, Matt I mean, Jones said it was his hand. I don't know if that ever came officially from someone at UK. Maybe Mark did say that. I'm not saying – I saw it from Matt, but I don't know. if Maybe okay. I just missed that with Stoops. But um, Stoops I mean, is saying pe- that Terry didn't know the play he got hurt. He just showed up Sunday and it was injured. So, well, people people are speculating, too, Derek, just giving off the reaction on Twitter Saturday night from family and stuff too and how outraged Terry deleted his Instagram for like three days or his Twitter I know for a fact was gone but his Instagram's back so I think people are just speculating off of that and sure it doesn't look good I mean when all that's going into play but at the same time I mean if they're saying he's hurt then you have to take it for what it is that he's hurt yeah I don't have any knowledge I mean I've asked around about Terry this week what the deal is with him I, I think there's reason to believe he did suffer some kind of injury but to the extent I can't say for sure but just using past precedent I mean football's a tough game most guys play through injuries um so I don't know I don't know if they're paving the way forward or what but at the same time we do know for sure that it's Joey's game uh maybe Bo's but what what I was told Sean though is that they want to use Bo, but they really don't want to have to use him this game. <laughs> no. They don't want his first game to come against a defense like this. So I think no. you'll see Joey out there, and they'll try to get through it. And then I still think Joey would be the guy going into Vanderbilt. And maybe well, let's just say this, too. You know, Bo's, Bo's body's not quite where they want it to be yet either. As far as, you know, a year in the program and a year in the weight room and things like that. Not that Bo can't go out there and sling the thing around, because obviously he can. But I'm just talking about taking hits. You don't You don't want to put him in there and get him killed. You know, against Georgia, I think I think you're right though. I think that we will see Bo Allen at some point in the back end of the schedule against Vanderbilt, and or some situation, maybe South Carolina somewhere down the line. I, I do think that both these quarterbacks will they'll take a look at both because I think they want to know going into next year. I think this will be an open quarterback battle going into next yeah. year between both those guys that will not be decided in the spring. I think it'll be decided in the fall, and that's not a bad thing because honestly, I don't think this will be like it was in the past where. The battle was going on because really neither one of them were great. 
and stuff, I think that this will be a battle because both of them bring something to the table. They're both different quarterbacks, and I think they'll – honestly, I think they'll use both at some point. Yeah, no question. I mean, if the games are out of hand against Alabama or Florida, then I think it'll you'll probably see Bo get some reps. But this does give you a chance to get a head start on next season. I don't think they're going to go. I would be surprised, honestly, unless it's just obvious that one of these guys plays better than the other. I don't know how far they'll want it to go into fall camp next year, but I would be a little bit surprised if they name a starter after spring practice. Um, Just because you run the risk of this day and age with the one-time transfer rule getting passed pretty soon, like I don't think they want to run the risk of losing one of those guys and being in a similar spot where you – Yeah, because they're both going to be young too. Yeah. I I mean, 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 Joey's technically still got three years left after this with the extra year if he wants to use it, and Bo's got five more after this season. So (laughs) – I don't know. It's, it's so that way. Like I'm not expecting a, and we'll get to our picks later. Like I'm not expecting a very pretty game for Kentucky tomorrow. But there is that excitement of seeing something new, uh, going out there, seeing Joey for the first time in his career, really in a full time role. You know, how does he handle playing? I, I want to say 50 snaps at least, but hell, after what we saw last week, I don't know. <laughs> we'll see how many snaps he might plays. Might be 24 yeah. this week. But a, but a be, full, you know, be a full eight, game three out. basically. Yeah, yeah, could be. So, but he'll get the majority we, of the snaps are, for sure. People are going to think we're just negative. Uh, no, we're just uh, after what I saw last week. If uh, my glass, I don't even know if it's half full right now. It might just be <laughs> empty. But we'll see when we get into predictions. But we did have one more question. We've already kind of touched on this. It says, "What do you think about the change?" about moving the assistant coaches around. Lucas seems like a good move, and have you heard any more about any basketball recruits? I haven't heard anything else on basketball recruits. Uh, Derek, the only thing that we can pretty much say is Damian Collins. If he's not a Kentucky Wildcat at some point tomorrow, my name's not Sean Smith, and this isn't Kentucky Daily. So that's what I'll leave it at. I'm pretty confident about that. And then, two, I love the moves of the coaching staff. L-O-V-E, all in caps. I, I tweeted that last night that I love it because Barbie now gets to do what he excels in, and Jay Lucas gets his feet wet in the recruiting, and we're already going to see that pay off probably 24 hours from now. It does change the narrative for me a little bit, Jay Lucas, because uh, I was like, man, what a power move by Cal to get a sitting assistant at a Power 5 school like Texas where the kid went to school to come here and work in a – like off the court role. So clearly that was not uh, what happened, although that's how it was framed at the time. But uh, no, I think it's a great move. There's, it's not think it's the best off the court movies made in years. Like he, he took Kenny Payne's $900,000 salary and put it to good use, like restructured his staff in a way that he thinks will be a staff of the future in his words. And I'll be curious to see how many other schools, not every school is in the spot that UK is in where they can invest so much money into a coaching staff. I mean, Maybe no, the team actually in the SEC is going to invest as much as Kentucky does. But maybe some of these other blue blood basketball schools, I'll wonder if anybody will kind of piggyback off this. Or maybe someone else is already doing it. I don't know. Yeah. Just the way it was framed made it seem like Kentucky's kind of the, in the forefront of this. And some big college basketball news right here before we dive into the schedule. Uh, John Rothstein reports that Mac McClung has received a waiver to play at Texas Tech this season. That's a big-time addition to Chris Beard's Texas Tech team there. Derek uh, McClung is a kid that I'm actually familiar with, uh, grew up probably 45 minutes from me and stuff here, just an incredible athlete. So that's a, that's big-time transfer news in college basketball eligibility uh, this year. Texas Tech is transfer you now, isn't it? All the yeah. transfers go down there. And uh, McClung was McClung's a kid, Derek, that I, I think will will do big things. Man, he's so much fun to watch. Goodness gracious. I went and watched him at senior high school, and it was literally – it was like watching Hoosiers except they were dunking, like small-town basketball. And it was just – it was incredible. Uh, but that was the mailbag segment. We wanted to make sure we covered everything. As always, if we miss some, we'll try to get to it on the next show. Uh, I try to send out when we're recording. That way you'll see the deadline. If you send something in, you'll know it won't be covered Uh I think some people decide to skip out too, Derek, because uh, they their streak of being undefeated in the mailbag kind of ended last week. So they probably want to change it up a little yeah. bit. Let's go ahead and dive into the slate. If you have the games pulled up, I'll let you uh, you list those, and we'll go one by one. And we'll, you want to save Kentucky-Georgia for last? Yeah, we can save it last. You want me to read all the games off first and then go back through them one by one or just uh, go one by one with our picks? Let's go one by one. All right, well, we'll start at 3.30 then. Uh, Kentucky's the only noon game, by the way. We'll come back to that one. But at 3.30, the CBS game of the week, the LSU Tigers at 
Auburn, both teams, Sean, unranked. Would have not seen that happening uh, preseason, but neither neither team's ranked. And, I've, and I keep telling you that I don't like Auburn. I really don't. Like, I just I don't think Auburn's great. I think they got bailed out again last weekend. I think that Ole Miss had that game won. Uh, I do feel better about LSU. I feel better about after quarterback play last week. I think it's going to be hard to go another direction, even when everybody's healthy. I'm going to go LSU in this one. Yeah, they lit up South Carolina. So true, or maybe a redshirt. Is he a true freshman or redshirt freshman? A young kid, uh, either way. Yeah, I'm not sure. Either way, he was a young one. Uh, you're right. Auburn, all three of the Auburn's wins can. Uh, Kentucky's a little different because I think those two other, I mean, the one against Ole Miss and then the one against Arkansas, I think, was an action in the final minute. So those they games were. were late versus UK. That was, you know. It was first half. I think it definitely changed the game. I mean, because Kentucky would have had a lead and got the ball back to start the second half. Who knows what would have happened? But they have been the beneficiary of three either blown calls or just fortunate, whatever you want to call it. Uh, I agree with you. I'll take LSU in this one. If that does happen, Sean, where does that leave Gus Malzahn? Sitting there probably at Waffle House. I mean, that's where he's (laughs) going to be at some point. But... Uh, man, I don't know. Like, uh, I just don't know how you really can sit there and be an Auburn fan and feel great about how this season's already going. I mean, you you weren't competitive against Georgia, and honestly, you kind of look and even though you're a fan and you won, you kind of sit there and think, well, we kind of uh, got the benefit of the doubt with officials in the Arkansas game. That should have been a loss. And honestly, Derek, I think Saturday against Ole Miss should have been a loss. That I just don't feel. I t- I've been saying it for weeks. I don't like. I do not feel – they're not good. I'm just going to put it that way. And I think that they'll get exposed a lot on the back end of the schedule. Yeah. Tough one that UK lost there to start the year. Who knows what would have – If that had been game three or four, they would have beat them by two scores. If that had been Tennessee week or Mississippi State week. Now, if it had been last week, I don't think they could have beat themselves if they had played the blue-white game. I think Kentucky would have lost that one the way they played last week. Yeah, that was a bad one. So moving on to 4 p.m., this will actually be the game on SEC Network after Kentucky-Georgia. It is Ole Miss at Vanderbilt. Oh, boy. Hmm. I want to give – no, I'm not doing it. Ole Miss. <laughs> I, 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 I can't say what I said during the preseason about Vandy and then come out and pick them to win any game. So, yeah, Ole Miss all the way. I'll take Ole Miss as well. Not news probably Kentucky fans want to hear. Ole Miss is only winning the season still against Kentucky. They'll have a chance to change that, though, on Saturday. So that'll move to our night slate, and there are three games uh, in the night slate. And the first one is 7 p.m. It'll be the fighting Mike Leach air raid offense of Mississippi State, which had like 15 transfers this week, versus the Alabama Crimson Tide. Not much time on this one, Sean. Let's take Alabama here. What do you think? I don't even know if I need to say anything. I just, uh, yeah, the, oh boy. So uh, Alabama may sc- Alabama may score a touchdown for every transfer that Mississippi State lost this week. <laughs> yeah, I seriously <laughs> think like, well, you saw that start to come into play after the Kentucky game. Basically, it was where Leach kind of hinted publicly that he might just purchase the roster, and like I thought maybe it would wait until after the season, but now nah, here we are, like middle of the season, and Kylan Hill opted out. Uh, they had a few other kids transfer, so. Yeah, not going to be pretty, I don't think, that game in Tuscaloosa. So here's an interesting game. Maybe the best game of the week, actually. Uh, Well, maybe I'm overhopping it. We'll see what you think. Arkansas at Texas A&M. Ooh, ooh, I like that. A&M's top ten, by the way, now, number eight. They are. Man, and we've been talking about that A&M schedule and how it kind of fits to where they could probably run the table the rest of the way. Man, I don't know. That's a tough one. That is a tough game. Let's see, A&M played. Oh, am I going to do it, Derek? Am I going to do it? Am I picking the <laughs> hogs? I'm, I'm putting my hog hat on, and I'm, I'm picking Arkansas. Yeah, this is Arkansas is definitely playing better under Sam Pittman. Um, I'm going I'm to stick with A&M. I'm going to stick with Jimbo's guys. I think this will be a good game. I'll probably watch this one. I don't know what else is going on around college football tomorrow night, but I think this will probably be the game at the uh, – household that is can i ask you this too about arkansas was this a thing where chad morris was close or is this sam Pittman coming in and just changing everything 
I think I think Morris recruited well. Um, if you look at that roster, he, he had his first class was kind of like, I remember people comparing it kind of Kentucky's 2014 class under Stoops. They had like 10 four stars. But some of those kids have left since then. I mean, Felipe Franks has actually played pretty well. I mean, he, he has got played very well. Top high school recruit. So that's helped them. I, I, they're they're not a. I don't think they're just absolutely outman in terms of talent, but we just hadn't really seen it yet. And they were young under Morris. I, I mean, Morris just wasn't it wasn't a really good fit. I mean, he just the dude lost like multiple games to a group of five schools. So he did. Whatever Pittman's done, he's definitely got him playing better. So I think probably a mix. Like I think there was a decent, there was more talent than maybe they showed under Morris, but I give a lot of the credit there to Pittman. So the last game of the night is also on seven thirty. I asked seven thirty. This will be on the SEC alternate channel. It is the Missouri Tigers that we just saw last week versus Florida Gators. So Florida back after all their COVID deal. I think they still got quite a few kids out though. So I don't really know what their lineup's going to look like. But where's that at? Where's that at? In the swamp. I think it, honestly, I think it might be close because I mean everything that Florida's dealt with the last few weeks—they had the loss, and then they had COVID, then they had game canceled, then they had Dan Mullen get COVID. Uh, I think you can expect some sloppy play, right? At least, probably. Yeah, I think so. So I do think it'll be a close game, but it's—it's it's hard for me to pick Missouri. I'll, I'll go Florida, but I don't think it's going to be a blowout. Yeah, I mean, I get what happened last weekend, but. Even in that game, nothing about Missouri just really impressed me that much. I thought it was much more no. Kentucky. It was just terrible all day versus anything Missouri did. I, I think you've got a point. Uh, who knows kind of what that mental state's going to be of Florida. They've dealt with a lot. But I think over the course of four quarters, Florida's going to be too much for them to handle. So that will bring us, Sean, then to uh, the game that people care about on who listen to this. And it's number five, Georgia. Winners of 10 straight over Kentucky. I pointed out on Twitter. I don't remember if I said this or not on the pod. What they win for Georgia tomorrow, it will be the longest winning streak they've ever had in the series, which it would also be their 60th win of the series. So they lead 59-12-2 all time. I thought it was a little surprising, though. They've never won more than 10 in a row. Yeah, that is that is very surprising, honestly, because of my childhood. I remember it was very painful because of Georgia. And uh, I think tomorrow will be very painful. Like I, I expect a lot of pain. It just uh, the thing. I'm not looking at the end result of tomorrow's game, though. I'm looking just to see those sparks. I just want to see Kentucky have some successful offensive drives. I'm talking march the ball down the field a couple of times, get some points, and just be competitive. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know, Derek. It's it's kind of a weird feel. You want to see how does Kentucky come out? Do they have some fight? Do they have a will to win? Are they pissed off? by the way they played, because they should be, honestly. And that's what I'm looking more. And you'll know right away whether Kentucky has a chance to at least hang around in this game or if Georgia just imposes their will. I'm thinking something like 28-10 to 10 maybe. I think Kentucky's going to have a really hard time scoring, but at the same time, I actually like Kentucky's defense quite a bit. Uh, just the way Georgia plays, like I think it kind of – I think Kentucky can have some success – some factors in this game, uh, Georgia got the bye week. They sat on a whole week of being pissed off probably that defense about how they played against Alabama, whereas Kentucky is going into its sixth straight game in an SEC slate. That's tough. I mean, there's a lot of bumps and bruises. They got some guys. Pascal's probably not 100%. He's continued to play. Uh, Bohanna won't be out there, so you're relying on Marquand McCall and then two true freshman nose guards. So that'll be something to watch. But I'm with you. I just want to see something from this offense that – doesn't make them look totally helpless like they were last weekend. So I don't know what that will be. Maybe they'll surprise us. I mean, if if they come out and the defense gets some turnovers, like all bets are off, I guess, in terms of what might happen. But Georgia going by the 24-7 sports composite, they have the most talented team in the country on paper with recruiting rankings. It's a game I never expect Kentucky to win against Georgia. So no reason to pick them tomorrow. So... It should give us a little bit to talk about, though. The narratives, whatever comes out of tomorrow, will, will be what leads us into the bye week and into the Vanderbilt game. Yeah, and uh, I just don't think Kentucky wins tomorrow. But I've seen crazier things happen at some point. And, Derek, you've been wrong every I've single – well, besides last week. you No, you did. You picked Kentucky to win no, last picked, week. So you've I been wrong Kentucky every single week. So yeah. I know the fans listening to this podcast, they probably hope that you stay wrong. <laughs> and – uh 
but yeah, I'm not. I don't know a score. I'm going to say if Kentucky gets to if Kentucky gets to 14 points, I consider it a win, especially breaking in a new quarterback against the defense like that. Uh, maybe if the defense scores a touchdown, I'm going to go. You did 28-10. I'm going to go 24 to 10. Like I think it'll. I, I don't. So you got to cover the spread. I think Kentucky will put up a fight. I do think that they will at least put up a fight and at least make it, you know, interesting. And I, th- I think the defense will, will you know, lock down and make a competitive game. And then the offense, I just want to see if Eddie Grant is able to run the football against this defense. Like there, there's a lot of things you can take away from this game tomorrow. And I don't. The final score is not the one that I want fans to take away. Just look and see. Does anything look different than it did? Do they have a pulse? Because yeah. they're certainly going to. Somebody's going to be checking for it regardless of what happens tomorrow. I mean, you're 2-4 and four if you lose tomorrow, and you're kind of looking at the back end of the schedule, and you 4-6 and six is a real possibility. So that, I, I just feel like that you got to see. You, you'll know tomorrow who's going to fight and who's not going to fight, and I think Mark Stoops will too. Yeah. Uh, I'm, obviously, I'm most fascinated to see the quarterbacks, and just is, is this offense any different? You know, I think uh, I, I wouldn't think there will be a big change in a week, but do you see more of that QB run with uh, a different type of runner and Joey Gatewood, a, a bigger guy than Terry, probably not as fast. But I do think Terry had lost a lot of that explosiveness, uh, explosiveness though. He, he did have some runs. I mean, Mississippi State, he had a good run that he looked pretty good on. Ole Miss, he had a couple of runs. But last week, and I was watching on television last week, didn't, didn't look as fast last week. Just looked like something was a little bit off. So... They had some some success last year against Georgia running with Lynn Bowden. Like, they had a few drives they should have scored. Uh, start the second half, they drove deep into Georgia territory before a holding call put them in a bad spot on third down. And then Chris Rodriguez dropped a touchdown pass. So it shouldn't have been shut out last year, but it was a different situation. Not the same as this year, I understand. But I don't know. If they score more than two touchdowns, Sean, I think people will be pretty fired up. I do, too. And, uh, who knows? Maybe they start out the game and something weird happens, a fumble in Georgia territory or a kick return or something crazy. Derek, I just want to see some fight from them. That's honestly all I'm looking for. It's just I want to see how they respond to getting you know punched in the mouth, getting all this negative talk, all this question mark at quarterback. And two, you'll find out, I guess, what type of leader Joey Gatewood is and what kind of head he has on his shoulders here because this is a situation where you're getting thrown to the wolves. But honestly, that's why you play this level of football, right? is you want these yeah. opportunities, and that's what I want to see is, like, does, does Joey come in? And, two, this sounds bad, but I want to say it. Do you see these wide receivers and some of these players have a little bit more fight with a new guy back there? Like, do they, is it is it the shot in the arm that this program needs? You'll find out tomorrow. That's why I don't think it's certainly a bad thing that you're going to new blood here because I just want to see – how things, how they respond, how they react, and if you see some fight from this team. Because I'll tell you this, there was no fight last week. There wasn't. And another thing, too, to remember, and I've mentioned this, like for Joey, it is his first career start. But he is in his third year in college. Like, you know, he didn't play much his true freshman year. I think he actually only got in one game, the bowl game, when they obliterated Purdue in the Music City Bowl. But he's done touchdown passes at Auburn. You know, he's was mostly a specialty guy, but I don't think he's going to be scared of the moment tomorrow, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Like, you know, he's played at Auburn. They, they, they had some good teams when he was there. So I don't think he'll be intimidated, but will there be enough? Will he play well enough? One. And then two, will the guys around him do enough to kind of keep them going? So I'm with you, though. Another thing, Chris Rodriguez, does he finally become the featured back? Do they ride him tomorrow? I'm going to say yes. If he's not and they don't play well, I, I don't know. Eddie Grant's probably going to get crucified if they keep running. <laughs> if Rodriguez keeps playing well but they don't give him the majority of the carries, then I don't know what's going to happen. But it does seem like it's going to go that way this week. That's pretty and much the, all I've got, Sean, on tomorrow. Well, that's game. what I was about to say. And the longer that I stay on this podcast, I'm going to end up talking myself into thinking that they're going to come out and compete tomorrow. <laughs> because I started with it's going to be a lot of pain, and then I come back to they're going to have some fight in them. So I guess what I want to say, I really don't know. I'm in the same boat as every single fan. We don't know what we're going to see tomorrow. I mean, I'd like to think in my gut that this program has some, you know, I guess, what am I trying to say, Derek? Just to where they, 
just want they 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 actually have to have some respect for themselves to come out here and compete yeah. after the way that they played last week is what I'm trying to say. If you don't see any type of just you know attitude and confidence or just a desire to be better, then I will be concerned because you've you went and you got embarrassed. You've been down all you've been down all week. The SEC network, everybody's just talking like how awful that performance was. You either can let it happen again, or you can come out and you can have some fight about it. And that's what we've seen under Mark Stoops during his tenure is the team has always come out after things like this, and they've you know played with a sense of urgency and some passion. And that's all I want to see this Saturday at Kroger Field. But that game is at noon Eastern time tomorrow on the SEC Network, Kentucky, Georgia. They got the crew again with Tom Hart, Jordan Rogers, and Cole Kublick. So that crew has covered a lot of Kentucky football games uh-huh. already this year. It seems like they always do, Derek. Even when it wasn't even when it was the night slate, now it's noon. This will be the third noon kick that that crew has had with Kentucky. And they're usually the Saturday night crew. Uh, it'll be a I do think uh, we'll have some more questions answered about Kentucky football and honestly about the future of Kentucky Kentucky football after tomorrow's game. And then, two, Damian Collins will be announcing his commitment tomorrow at some point. I don't think we have a time on that, Derek. I've not seen an exact time that he's announcing. Uh, it could happen during the game. Typically, I will say this, when Kentucky basketball recruits announce during U.K. football games, it usually goes in Kentucky's favor. I remember Keldon Johnson, Isaiah Jackson, uh, I can remember two or three there that have announced during football games that Kentucky's not got. so much Terrence Clark. Blew the game to Florida, right? Same day he committed last year. That's true. That is true. That is very true. Yeah, man. Wow. I take Transport back like everything this year. I take so. back everything. That, yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, no, Ruffalo's been very good in that role, too. So, besides the, I, well, I say that, but then he missed a PAT. But as far as field goals, he's been very good in that role. Uh, but we'll be back tomorrow to recap whatever happens in that game because honestly, right now it's like a box of chocolates. You don't, you never know what you're going to get. So I guess that we'll uh, we'll see tomorrow. Derek will be live from the press box there, following the game at some point to just kind of wrap it up and put some information out there. Uh, hopefully for you all listening, we'll be talking about a UK win because I'm sure it'll be one of our best podcasts ever. But if not, we will get you through it. We will walk you through it and we will be brutally honest about what we see tomorrow. But this has been another episode of Kentucky Daily. We'll catch you next time. 